Amen. Uh, good to sing, good to pray, good to be able to open up uh, the Word and, and see, hear, experience what God has for us in it uh, together this morning. God gives many good gifts and we're a thankful people. I'm thankful for lots of things. Today's a beautiful day outside. That's a good gift from God. I think uh, good food, coffee is a good gift from God that I'm thankful for. How many of you got a free cup of coffee at Scooters in the month of September at some point? Some of you like you're mad because you didn't even know that really happened. All month you could just drive through their drive-through and they'd give you a free cup of coffee. Normally if you go through a drive-through of a coffee place like that, and that's not a place that I've frequented at all, uh, you, you'd go through and you would owe them a debt of about two dollars and fifty cents if you ordered a coffee. In order to have them give you a cup of coffee out their window, you had to pay your debt of two dollars and fifty cents. But for the month of September, you could just go through the drive-thru. I did this five or six times. You order a coffee, you scoot on ahead to the window, uh, and they would, just, they would just give it to you. Your debt of $2.50 canceled, and you're given a cup of coffee for free. You may have also noticed they're hanging below the window a little tip jar that says, Love for the crew. I went and I took a picture of it uh, there so you could see what it looks like. And the idea is, if you are given something and you appreciate what you've been given, you give a little love back to the crew. And so what I would do, I felt obligated. They canceled my $2.50 debt for a cup of coffee, and they gave it to me for free. And so I would uh, feel indebted to them, and out of love for the crew, would throw a bit of my spare change into that each time they gave me a cup of coffee. It seemed like a right way to demonstrate love and thankfulness for what had been given to me for free. Here's the big idea for today's sermon. Sinners who turn to Jesus in faith are forgiven. Their debt is canceled. And we who are forgiven then respond by demonstrating a love for Jesus. Some of you come in here today feeling shame. You have sinned or been sinned against in a way that just makes you want to hide. Maybe some people know about it. Maybe you have a reputation. Maybe you've tried hard to hide your reputation and no, nobody really knows or only a few people do. Some of you come in here though today ashamed. Others come in a little more unashamed, feeling like I don't have anything to hide. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not nearly as bad as most other people though. But whichever kind of person you are here today, we all have the same need. We all have the same problem. We all owe a debt that we cannot pay on our own. And we all desperately need Jesus to cancel that debt for us. Today we hear the good news that He can and does. If you're able to, please stand. I'm going to pray and then we'll read the very Word of God. God, would You help us to encounter Your Son in Your Word today? I pray that You would work in us that we might turn to You in faith. That, that You would give assurance that all those who do have faith in Jesus have been forgiven. Our debt canceled. And would you today, 
Erase shame. Squash self-righteousness. Forgive sin that we might respond with right demonstrations of extravagant love for You. Please do this all for our good, for Your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we continue in the Gospel according to Luke, starting in chapter 7, verse 36. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, He canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. Amen. You can be seated. Well, uh, on the screen we have uh, words from Scripture. If you don't have a Bible of your own note there in the, in the bulletin today, we'd love to get you a Bible. We're a church that wants to be molded by God's Word. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. We want you to have a copy. If you have one, bring it with you. If you need one, let us know and we'll get you one. And in your bulletin is a sermon outline, and you'll see the first point today is just covering verses 36 to 39, where the point is this, a sinner demonstrates love and a skeptic responds. The account that we just read begins with an invitation to dinner. It's a Pharisee asking Jesus to come to his home and to eat with him. There's indications in the text that this is not just for a quick lunch in the middle of the day, but this is for a banquet. 
This is a gathering of a number of people invited by the Pharisee in his home. In those days, normal family meals would take place with the family seated at the table. But when it was a banquet, they would lean up against the table on their left arm with their feet laying out behind them because they intended to be there for quite some time. And at a banquet like this, it wouldn't just be those invited guests that came, but in a typical banquet in this kind of setting, other people, uninvited guests, would just come in and they would not sit down at the table and recline at the table with people, but they could gather around the outside walls and listen in on the conversation that was taking place at the table. This banquet is at the home of a Pharisee who has invited Jesus. We've heard about Pharisees so far already in the Gospel according to Luke. Most of the time, they have been opposed to Jesus, at least very skeptical of Him, but often opposed to Him. And we don't know why this Pharisee has invited Jesus over for this banquet. It might be that he's curious. He's just a learner and he wants some more information. It might be that he's testing Jesus. It might be that he's intending to trap Jesus. We don't know what his motivation is, but regardless, he's having a banquet. Jesus is the guest of honor, and other people are gathered around the outside at the table and then outside the table as well. And one of those uninvited guests, we're told in verse 37, is a woman with a reputation. This woman's reputation isn't a good reputation. She's known around that area as a sinner. Now, we don't know what kind of sin, and we don't even know the woman's name. But this woman is drawn by faith to Jesus. And she's even willing to interrupt the meal in order to demonstrate her love for Him. We're told that she carries with her an alabaster flask of ointment. A costly perfume, maybe something used in whatever it was that got her her bad reputation. Imagine the way the room maybe quiets down. As all eyes move to watch this woman come behind Jesus up to his feet weeping. And not just like some polite tears. This is like ugly crying, weeping so much that the tears wet his feet. She lets down her hair. No doubt some raising their eyebrows at this act of cultural immodesty. And she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. She also kisses his feet and anoints them with her ointment. It seems odd to us, but it was a display of reverence in that day. Maybe there was a mumbling in the crowd. Maybe stunned silence. The Pharisee who put the banquet together, he's already made up his mind as he watches this scene play out. Now, he doesn't say anything out loud. Did you note that? Verse 39? He doesn't say anything out loud. he's, He's saying in his mind this. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. This Pharisee's response is skeptical. He wonders, well, 
People have said that this man's a prophet, but I'm not buying it. Because if he was a prophet, he would know that this woman, who's he's letting touch him, she's got a reputation. She is a sinner. If Jesus knew who she was and what she had done, he would not let her be doing this. He must not be a prophet. And so in verses 36 to 39, we have a woman with a reputation as a sinner who has come to Jesus with great faith and courage, has demonstrated His love for Him and His reverence of Him. And at the same time, we've got another character, the religious host, who is skeptical at best. In the verses that follow, we're going to see Jesus assess the situation. He's going to describe and declare some things that are super important for us to see. It begins in verse 40 with Jesus answering, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. It's a teachable moment, and Simon's up for it. He answers, say it, teacher. Bring it on. What does Jesus have to say? What is the teachable moment? He begins, as Jesus will do later more frequently in the book of Luke, with a parable. This one, a very short parable. That's just a made-up story that he's using to make a point. So Jesus makes up this story there on the spot. Verse 41, here's the story. A certain money lender had two debtors. So you get somebody who has means lending money to two other people. There's two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That's almost two years' worth of wages. And the other, 50 Okay, so 5,500, if you can do math really quick in your head, one owes 10 times more than the other one. One owes almost two years' worth of wages. The other owes a couple months' worth of wages. A lot for either of them. A big debt that they owe. Here's what they have in common. Listen, when they could not pay. Okay, so as Jesus sets up the story, both of these debtors are unable to pay back the debt. When they could not pay. They're both in a predicament. They owe money, and they can't pay the money. But notice what Jesus says. He canceled the debt of both. Okay? So both of them have their debt canceled. Then Jesus asks a very practical question. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answers. Simon answers saying, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says to him, you have judged rightly. I mean, it makes sense. It's logical, right? If, if somebody owes him two years worth of wages and somebody owes him a couple of months worth of wages, and both of them have their debt canceled, forgiven, the one who owed more is going to express more love and thankfulness because the debt seemed to be much larger, or was much larger. And now, Jesus is going to take this parable and the point he was making with it and apply it to the situation of that day at that banquet here in the Pharisee's house. And here, now we know the the Pharisee's name is Simon, right? So, listen to how Jesus applies it. Verse 44, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Of course, Simon has seen the woman. That's why he's made this judgment in his mind about what Jesus should be doing with this woman because of this woman's reputation as a sinner. Do you see this woman, Jesus says? 
And then Jesus does this contrast. I entered your house, he says to Simon. And notice, notice the differences between here's what you did and here's what she's done. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Now, it would have been standard in that day as somebody came into your house, just a, a kiss of greeting. We don't, well, most of us don't greet one another that way, right? But that was more common in that day. You would greet others with a kiss. But this man invited Jesus into his house, didn't even give him the customary greeting of a kiss. Yet Jesus is saying, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You, Simon, did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The anointing of the head with oil, probably just with olive oil that was very cheap and common in the region, used something like maybe lotion would be used in our day. That would have been, you know, not, not always would you offer that, but if you were welcoming a guest of honor, you might offer them some oil. And Jesus said, you didn't even do that, and here she is with this ointment, this costly fragrance, and she is pouring it over my feet. Jesus making very clear a contrast here. So going back to Jesus' short parable, who is the one who has been forgiven much? It's the woman. That's why she's demonstrating a love that seems to be far superior to any kind of love that Simon the Pharisee is demonstrating. Right? Notice what comes first in the parable. It's the forgiveness, it's the canceling of a debt that leads to a demonstration of love. And Jesus just pointing out the reason that this woman is doing all of these things that you and everybody else is failing to do is because she has been forgiven much. That's why she's loving much. That's the point that Jesus is seeking to make here. Jesus is making a case for why she is responding in the way she's responding. She had a large debt that's been canceled. She's been forgiven of much. That's what it says here in verses 47 and following. Now, 47, depending on your translation, could be confusing. So I want to point something out here. Verse 47 says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many. Oh, note, remember what Simon thought? Simon thought Jesus didn't know about this woman's sin. Does Jesus know? Oh, he knew. It says, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, that word for there, uh, in, if you have the ESV translation, it's for. They just left it uh, a bit more vague, like the original Greek did. Um, but for can be used in different ways. I won't get into the technical grammar of it. It can be used as cause, but it can also be used as evidence. Because of the way the parable is structured and everything Jesus says after this, it, it seems most clear that this is, this is used as evidence. So the evidence that this woman has been forgiven much, is that she's loving much. Okay, So it's not that Jesus sees this act of love on her part and says, oh, she loves me a lot, therefore I'm going to forgive her. That's why if you have a different translation, even like a good translation like the CSB, it just says in there, that's why. It says in there something like, 
her sins, which are many, are forgiven. That's why she loved much. That's the right way to understand the word for here. It's not a cause. Her love is not the cause of Jesus forgiving her. She has been forgiven, which is the cause of her loving Jesus. Right? Her, her display of love is a demonstration or evidence of the fact that she has been forgiven much. That's the way the parable works. Right? So that's verse 47, just to clear that up for us. Let's keep moving on, though, in verse 48 through 50. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now Jesus looks at the woman. He's been having this teachable moment with Simon. But now Jesus looks at the woman and says to her directly what is already true. Your sins are forgiven. This causes those at the table with him to wonder again, who is this? Who is this, they say, who even forgives sins? As Pastor Nick preached last week, that was a big question. Who is this? And we're going to see that continue to come up throughout the Gospel according to Luke. Who is this one who even forgives sins? And then note what he says to the woman. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman hears this great news by Jesus. She has been saved by faith. She has been forgiven of much. Think about this woman's life. This woman was known not for the good things that she had done. This woman had spent her life being known for all of the times she had messed up. Her reputation was as a sinner. This woman lived with shame. And she hears from Jesus the guest of honor at this banquet looks at her and declares to her that her sins have been forgiven. She needed to hear that from Jesus. Jesus knew it, and so Jesus says it. She's been saved by faith. This bold declaration by Jesus causes these others to wonder who He is. And then, I read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 8 because it fits, I think, better with the passage this week than next week, and and I wasn't going to do a sermon just on those three verses. So note how chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, in many ways a summary, just saying that from this point then, Jesus goes back out. We don't even know what town he's in. We're never told what town Simon the Pharisee lives in, but he's going to go back out, and Jesus' ministry is itinerant. That is, he doesn't just stay in one place. He moves from place to place. He's proclaiming the good news. He's doing gospel good news ministry, and he's doing kingdom work. And as he does that work, he is not traveling alone. We're told in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, that of course he has the 12 men that he's appointed as apostles. Those 12 are with him. But as is often the case in Luke, Luke is also pointing out that some people who you might not expect, some people on the fringe, are also with him. While it would have been somewhat common in that day for women to financially support in some way an itinerant minister or rabbi, it was not at all common for women to follow a rabbi alongside men. It would have been seen as scandalous by some. Yet, we are told by Luke that a number of women are also traveling with Jesus and the disciples. In fact, he even names who three of them are, and they come from radically different backgrounds. You've got one whose husband works for Herod, and you've got another one who previously had seven demons, and Jesus healed her. There are those that Jesus has healed, those he has cast evil spirits out of, and all of these women, another one named Susanna, we don't know anything more about her, 
But there are these women who are coming alongside and engaging with Jesus in gospel ministry, in kingdom ministry. And then, you'll notice also that there are many others. Do you see the last part of verse 3? And many others who provided for them out of their means. I mean, if you think very practically, as Jesus and His disciples travel from village to village, place to place, they got to have food to eat. they got to have sandals on their feet. Where's the money coming from? Well, we're told here, a number of women are giving, providing out of their means for Jesus and His disciples to continue in the gospel kingdom ministry. I would say, I would argue, these are just more demonstrations of love. These are people who have encountered Jesus. They have seen who He is. They have seen what He's done. They've experienced His transforming work in their life. And as a result, they're willing to give up their lives to follow Him and to give up their money in order that His ministry might continue. Right? More demonstrations of love. All right. Application. What does this mean for us? This is a powerful story. What does it mean for us? A couple of things I think we can start with. Number one, sinner, question mark, respond by trusting in Jesus and receiving His forgiveness. In today's passage, we meet an unnamed woman whose reputation is all wrapped up in an unnamed sin. No doubt her sin had brought her great shame. She looks around at the people maybe sitting around that table that day, thinking all of these people deserve to be at the table with this one. And I don't, so she's standing behind. But she cannot help herself from expressing her deep love for this man named Jesus. A love that the Pharisee named Simon assumed that Jesus didn't know who this woman was. But Jesus did. Jesus knew about this woman, about her reputation, about her sin. We don't know what her name is. Jesus knew her name. We don't know what her sin was. Jesus knew her sin. Yet Jesus declared her forgiven. Some of you, listen, some of you here today, it took you a long time to even show up here today. I think this woman was driven to Jesus by a mixture of desperation, faith, and courage. Some of you, for you to even be in here today, it required a level of desperation, faith, and courage. Because you know yourself. You know you're a sinner. You know you've missed the mark. You've fallen short of God's standards. Maybe not everybody knows your mess, but you know that God knows your mess. And and you need to hear this today. He loves you. And Jesus loves you enough to die for you, to bear your sin and your shame and take it to the cross. That's what this woman needed on this day. And so today, maybe you've come with the same mixture of desperation, humility, faith, courage. Your shame tells you, stay hidden away. But I have prayed this week that the love of Jesus would draw you near. That as we sing in a little bit, our sins they are many, but His mercy is more. That you would believe that. That you would not focus the rest of your life on your sin from your past, even the sin in your present. But that you would know that our sins are many, but His mercy is more. 
that maybe for the first time today, you put your faith in Jesus and receive the free gift of forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 gives us really good news. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You who feel dirty can be made clean. You who are a sinner can be forgiven as you come to Jesus in faith. Respond to Him in faith today. And for all of us whose sins have been forgiven, for those of us whose debt has been canceled, application point number two, we've been forgiven, we respond by demonstrating love for Jesus. It might look very practically just like it did in the passage here today. We see people joining Jesus in His Gospel ministry. That might be an application. You're asked to serve in some way, Uh, to be a part of the ministry of the church, doing the kingdom gospel ministry that Jesus was doing, pointing to Him, and you say, yes. You might be motivated like many were here in chapter 8, verse 3, to give away your money. We have a tendency to want to spend it on ourselves or to hold on to it tightly, but what if we, motivated by all that Jesus has done, that we would be extravagantly generous like this woman was. We see what God is doing through the local church, through our missions partners, and we make a commitment we're going to give. Maybe it means very practical you sit down and you talk about finances in your home. What are we going to do in order that we might respond rightly in a demonstration of love because of who Jesus is and all that He has done in His generosity of giving His life in offering us forgiveness for free and canceling our debt? I'm willing to give what I value much for the sake of gospel ministry. I told you at the beginning that when a $2.50 coffee debt was canceled at Scooters, I felt obligated to say thanks and to give some sort of demonstration of love, literally throwing some spare change in the cup. But I was thinking of a contrast. Uh, I'll tell you a story about seminary debt. When I uh, graduated from college, Kirsten and I were married by the time we graduated from college. We went to a private college and we had a lot of debt most people would start to pay their debt back right after college. But I was called to pastoral ministry and I wasn't prepared for it. I knew I needed to go to seminary. And so instead of starting to pay back my debt, I had to make the decision to take on more debt. Uh, and so I took a class in the summer uh, and, and paid for the class and then signed up for classes for the fall. This was going to be three years of incurring more debt without paying our old debt off. We were unable to do it with the income that Kirsten was going to be taking in and that I was going to be taking in at that time. But that fall, I get a phone call saying, hey, you you fit some of the qualifications for a scholarship. There's a couple named Bob and Pat Kern. And Bob and Pat Kern uh, are offering scholarships to 49 students around the United States. You need to fill out all the stuff and see if you might get it. I was alerted not too long after that that I was awarded this scholarship that would not just pay a portion of my tuition for the first year of seminary, but instead, Bob and Pat Kern were going to pay for all three years every dime of debt that I was willing to and ready to incur because of my seminary education. They paid every dime of it. And they also gave me money for five years afterwards for continuing education. Right? Now, do you think 
that my response of gratitude, I did get to meet Bob and Pat Kern one time uh, in person before they passed away. Do you think my gratitude for the, the cup of coffee at Scooter's and that $2.50 debt being canceled was going to be greater or less than the debt of gratitude I felt that I owed for Bob and Pat Kern. As I got to meet Bob and Pat Kern, I felt in my heart a great degree of love for and thankfulness to them that I got to express to them in person and also at a different point in a letter or two as well. When we consider God's generosity in forgiving our sins, in canceling our debt, and as it was in the parable that Jesus told, a debt that we could never repay anyway. This is not $2.50. This is not however many thousands of dollars. This is, this is a debt that you and I do not have funds in our account to pay for. And that debt canceled that we might be forgiven through what Christ has done. So we consider that and we consider a passage like Colossians 2, 13-14 where it says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us, listen, all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside nailing it to the cross. This is the good news of the Gospel. And all of us who have received this free gift, our sins forgiven, our debt canceled, may we respond to Him. May He work in our hearts to feel the weight of that so that we, motivated by His glory, His grace, His love, then give our lives. We give our time. We give our money. We give ourselves even in extravagant demonstrations of love like this woman. Maybe even as we sing this next song, we who, who maybe are often concerned about what everybody else around us is doing, we might respond with extravagant demonstrations of love that don't look like everybody else around us. You might need to be on your knees before the Lord. You might need to put out your hands as just one who is receiving. You might even put up your hands as one who in exuberant praise believes that you have received a gift worth praising God for. Right? May we be people who recognize again and again the free gift given to us by Jesus. And if you have not yet received that free gift, may today be the day that you, though your sins are many, Hear the good news that Jesus died in your place for your sins and that you received that free gift. And if you received that free gift, please do not be ashamed. That is a gift to be received and celebrated. I would love for you to come and share with me that this is a gift that you have received today by faith. And for all of us who have, we rejoice in who God is and what He has done for us in Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, You are holy and You are perfect and we are so not. We fall short and we're sinners. And I pray that You would give those sinners who walked in here today filled with shame over their sin, would You give them the gift of faith and forgiveness today? Would You help them to hear the words of this song sung by people all around them and stir up their hearts to trust You? 
to receive your forgiveness. And for those of us who have, help us to respond accordingly. Help us to respond with expressions and demonstrations of deep gratitude, not just while singing a song, but yes, while singing a song. And then throughout the rest of this week as we go to live, may we live as people responding to your deep generosity and love for us, that we would respond with deep demonstrations of generosity and love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, please stand.